You can grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 84 as we do continue our series on selections from the Psalms. Uh, One of the reasons why the Psalms are a beloved book of believers is because it does contain that full range of emotions, what uh, Calvin calls the whole anatomy of the soul as it directs us uh, to worship God in the way that he uh, commands us to. And so we do come to a text uh, this evening that does direct us in how we are to worship God and especially to thank God for his blessing of fellowship with us. Uh, So here now as God speaks to you from Psalm 84, his most holy, perfect, inspired and life-giving word. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray together. Father, we do give you praise for your word that it is a life-giving Uh, that it does direct our minds to heavenly things and uh, brings us to that very place where Christ is seated at your very right hand. Uh, We do ask you for your spirit that we may understand and even apply the truths of your word, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. About 10 years ago, there was, I think, a new art form that was making waves on the internet called Spoken word poetry. It was normal poetry uh, that utilized other forms of media to give it dramatic effect. And so there would usually be some kind of a sound in the background as uh, someone is reading through uh, their poem. Well, the first spoken word poem that I had ever come across was uh, a viral YouTube video that was making waves in the Christian world titled, Why I Love Jesus But Hate Religion. And some of the points that were raised in the poem were actually quite good. Uh, He was emphasizing that Christianity should first and foremost be a religion of grace. It should be a relationship with Christ, that Christ must be the central uh, part of our devotion in Christianity. Uh, Yet, the poem makes a basic mistake that I think many Christians have been prone to do over the ages, and that is to drive a wedge between Christ and his church, almost implying the idea that you can love Christ without loving also his bride. 
And I don't mean to point out any particular problem or instance here. It's fair to say that the church has indeed fallen on hard times recently. Scandals, schisms, splits have drawn media attention and many feel the need to apologize for the testimony of the church. And while it is true that the church is full of sinners, it remains, as Charles Spurgeon once said, the dearest place on earth. And why is that? Because the church is that place that offers eternal blessings within her doors. The church is that institution that Christ bought with his very own blood. It's the only assembly of people that we find on this earth that will actually outlive this earth. It's Christ's church. And this psalm, I think, demonstrates the beauty of Christ's church. It highlights it as a place where God dwells, and therefore there is no dearer place on earth. Uh, For the psalmist, as we'll find in this text, the public gathering of worship of God's people is the fountain of all blessings that God pours out on his people. And so I want to take us briefly through this text and look at three aspects of blessing that belong to believers, those members of Christ's church. And the first thing we want to see is the blessing in the singing of Christ's church. Look at verses 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. You can see that the psalmist is overcome by love and longing for the dwelling place of the Lord. For him, it is that most beloved place of rest. So his soul aches with pain when he is not there. There's something missing in his life when he is going about his days, working and traveling and not near the house of the Lord. The only thing he can really think about are those courts of the Lord where the people gather to worship God. And the word you find there for fainting in Hebrew has this picture of coming to an end, stopping or reaching completion. What he's saying here is that his longing is so intense, it's so real to him, that it's almost as if he could come to an end, just fainting, coming to an end by thinking about the court's of the Lord. Of course, this is all because his whole being is concentrated on one thing, and that's singing for joy to the living God. And that's his passion. That's his greatest desire. And so he is homesick. Uh, during the lockdown days when we were unable to come to church, I think I could say for many of us that there was that sense of longing and that there was something incomplete, that there was something missing in our lives and we couldn't come to gather as a body of believers singing praises to the Lord. And I think the reason behind that is because God has created us humans in his image and we are to be a people that gathers. God has saved a people for himself and, and the, the most vibrant expression of our salvation is experience with one another. You can think about fans of sports. Uh, they, they can watch the games on TV, but they would much prefer to experience the real thing, to be in the stadium watching their team play. 
And I hope it's true of you that when, you're, when you are unable to come to worship, that when health keeps you away, that you have that sense of longing, and that you do feel homesick, that there's something missing in your life, and when you cannot come before the Lord singing the songs of Zion with God's people. And it's a sense of longing that drives the psalmist towards jealousy in verse 3. He says, even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. I love the picture that the psalmist is painting here. He thinks to himself that he is now kept at a distance from the house of the Lord, but yet there are these birds just flying in and out of the tabernacle of God making their home in the temple. And so he almost has this sense of jealousy that even these silly sparrows can find a place to rest their young. They can rest themselves in the rafters of God's tent. And he thinks to himself, oh, if I were just one of those birds, if I could just be that near to God's presence with God's people, Day in and day out, coming in and out of the house of the Lord, not waiting for months to go by until I can make my return there. No, I would love to have that experience daily with God's people. And then he concludes this first stanza in verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. It's very clear in saying that there is blessing for those who dwell in God's house. Of course, he isn't speaking about that kind of visitation where someone uh, perhaps visits someone's home and all they can think about is how can they get out of the house? How can they leave as quickly as possible? No, he's talking about finding a home in the house of God, setting your dwelling place there, that your heart is resting in that very place. And the reason why it's such a blessed home for believers is because he is able to do and we are able to do what God has created us to do, ever singing his praise. I don't know about you, but I've always found that some of the most precious moments of my life are spent right here in this room as we sing hymns and psalms together. There's something so unique and obviously spiritual about that moment when uh, the saints are gathering together and raising up songs to the Lord, joining together with the chorus of heaven, singing God's praises. You can have all the choral arrangements in this world. You can have all the concerts, and nothing compares to congregational singing. It's because God has designed us this way. There is no substitute for it. And so this is something that the church of Jesus Christ uniquely has to offer to this world, ever singing Christ's praises. And so why is the church the dearest place on earth? Well, it's because there is great blessing in dwelling with God, singing his praises. I'm sure you wish you could be a fly on the wall for some event in human history. I'm sure you have some thought in your mind about where you would like to go to see something, some great event that has occurred in human history. For me, it would be, uh, among many other options, it would be that period between 1660 and 1685. And, of course, this is uh, one of those nerdy Reformed uh, moments. But 
uh, it, it was that time when there were many uh, famous Puritan ministers who, who were gathering together uh, to preach to each other. It was called the morning exercise at Cripplegate. And Puritan ministers would gather weekly uh, to preach at 7 a.m. And some of the most famous and best preachers that this world has probably ever seen uh, were in that meeting place, from John Owen to John Bunyan. Uh, well, one of the less known and more obscure ministers that often preached there uh, was a man named uh, David Clarkson. And all we really know about him autobiograph- autobiographically was that he was John Owen's assistant minister and that he actually preached his funeral. Uh, but one of the sermons that we have from David Clarkson was a sermon that was titled, Public Worship is to be Preferred Before Private. And it was a sermon that he argued that, yes, Christians should love family worship. Yes, they should love private devotions. But their first allegiance should be to the public worship of God. And he gives about 10 reasons why Christians should love public worship more than private worship. And one of those reasons was that there is more strength to be found in public worship. There's more encouragement for someone's soul to be found in public worship under the ordinary means of grace, under the sacraments, under the preaching of the word, the praying of God's people, than that we can find at our homes. And this is precisely what the psalmist is saying in verse five. There's blessing in the strength that comes from God's presence. Listen to what he says. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. And again in verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Uh, for the psalmist who longs to be in the house of God, he says that there is strength even found in the heart that, whose highway is to Zion. Uh, there's a, a strength in even anticipating and longing as he, we have read uh, exactly what he's put before. Uh, but for him... Uh, the church or the temple, I guess, at this time was to be that beautiful place of rest that he could gather strength. And that by thinking upon it, meditating upon it, he, he found strength flowing out from Zion. When we come to worship, it is to be that place of rest where one day a week we can set aside all worldly occupations and enter into God's presence. Everything can be left behind. Yes, we carry burdens in, uh, but it is that time when God ministers to us through his word and spirit. And when we come to worship, it's to be that market day of the soul uh, where we feast on all the delights that God has to offer. And this is what the psalmist is finding in the house of Zion. And this is vital because we often find ourselves in the place of the psalmist. Verse 6, going through the valley of Bacah, which translates in Hebrew as the valley of weeping. And he says that the tears are pouring out over the dry ground, and so they're forming uh, springs and pools. And so he acknowledges, he realizes that in this earthly pilgrimage, where there are so many uh, concerns, there are so many elements of which our life is agonizing, he finds a place of rest. He finds a place of strength because he understands that the Lord is there, that he can set that all aside for just a moment and sing with his brothers and sisters the glorious praises of his God. 
For this psalmist, he thinks that it's the word of the Lord that can finally and fully bring that blessing that he so desperately needs as he's on his journey going through that valley of weeping. And perhaps you've experienced something similar coming to church on a Sunday and you're fighting the tears from the week before, that you find yourself in a place of agony, that you find yourself in a place of woe and in a despondent spirit. Well, this is where believers often find themselves, in that valley of weeping. And here is strength, that Christians who come to the church can have that assurance that the Lord is storing up in his bottle all of those tears so that they would one day break out on blessing on his people. And so the psalmist is saying here in verse 8, Lord, let me get there safely. Help me make it until Sunday so I can find strength for my soul. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. So why is the church the dearest place on earth? Well, it's because weak, weary, and weeping saints can find strength for their souls within the doors of the church. A few years ago, there was a high school teacher in New Jersey who had assigned his students a, a, an exercise, and I believe he was an uh, English literature professor, and he assigned all of his uh, students an exercise where they would have to go out into some of the older neighborhoods in the community and, and look at some of the more elegant and beautiful homes that had uh, been around for hundreds of years, and they were supposed to write a poem on each of these homes and, and even to leave a letter uh, at the door. And, uh, you know, of course, that's almost in some ways a little creepy, of course, you're going around uh, writing about someone's home. And I guess we could uh, possibly think that about this text, that the psalmist is writing an ode to a house. He's writing an ode to the house of God as he's considering the courts of the Lord. He's, he's considering the architecture of the altars and the doors of this house. Uh, but that's really not what motivates this psalm. What motivates the psalmist to write about the house of God is that this is the place where God dwells. That's what makes it so sweet to him. It's not the architecture. It's the dwelling place of God. He finds blessing in the Savior who resides in this house. So he says in verse 9, Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. And then again in verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He's saying, look, there's safety in this place. Our God is a shield. We have protection from our enemies in the house of God. Uh, we have a protection from our even, our, even our own sins at the altar of God as God forgives us through the shedding of blood. It's in the tabernacle of God with God's saving power that is present. And that makes this place so dear to him. And then in verse 10, he says that even being on this place's edges is better than being at the center of the attention with the wicked. He's essentially saying that just even being on the periphery of the courts of the Lord is better than having all the pleasures that this world has to offer. One day spent with God is true, lasting pleasure for him. And then in verses 11 and 12, he unfolds these specific benefits in having the Lord as Savior. For the Lord God is a sun 
and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. I love the ESV. I read it, I preach from it, uh, but this is one place I think they got it wrong. Uh, You could easily translate uh, what it says here, and if you have an NASB, it says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. The Lord gives grace and glory. Now, what the psalmist sees when he's looking at the unrestrained blessings of God flowing from the house of God is grace and glory. Grace to wash away every one of his sins. Grace to give him favor before the Lord. Grace to raise him up to glory, to that place in the heavenly places with the Savior. And then he uses language that tracks so very well with Romans 8.28. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And that's his unshakable confidence, the character of the Lord. He understands that the Lord, his Father, is not a stingy God withholding blessings until his children behave in a way where they're worthy of those blessings. No, it says that he withholds no good thing, that he works everything for the good of those who love Christ Jesus. He's taking a moment to pause upon the character of God, that God is ever-blessing, he's ever-giving, he's ever-guiding, he's always faithful. And it is a blessing to trust in this Lord because he is a sun and a shield. He thinks that the light of God's glory shining upon this fellowship in the church or this fellowship in that Old Testament church and his salvation is visible to all, makes this the sweetest of places to him because God is shining forth. He is apprehending the beauty of his king. And so there is blessing in the singing, there's blessing in the strength, and there's blessing in the Savior. And yet there are two more things that I want to show you before uh, we make a close of it. I want to show you two more things that makes the church the dearest place on earth. Uh, first, the church is the nearest place to Christ that we will find in this life. I'm sure you noticed it in verse 9. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. And we could translate that as, Behold our salvation, O God. Look on the face of Christ. Because that's the Old Testament word used here. It's Messiah, which is Messiah or translated as Christ in the New Testament. And this psalmist is saying, Look at the anointed one. Look at the one who makes this place so Blessed, look at the place, look at the one who is the one who uh, pours out all of his blessing on his people. Uh, What he wants to focus on and what we should focus on is the Savior who's in the midst of the church. He is the shield of the church. He is the one who dwells in the midst of the lampstand, who is among two or three who gather in his name. He is the one who ministers to his people. This is what Christ does. This is what makes the church such a sweet place because Christ is washing his people with his word and spirit. And he gives the church the best of blessings. He gives the church the best of gifts. He intercedes on their behalf and presents his church one day 
holy and blameless before his Father. And so why should we love the church? Because Christ is in the church. He is the king and the head of the church. He is Lord of the church. And he bought the church with his very own blood. The church is the nearest place to Christ that we will find in this life, but the church is also the nearest place to heaven that we will find in this life. You could read through the psalm and, and say yes and, and point out all of the unique blessings that are found in the church, but I think you're all perhaps thinking to yourself, well, this is ultimately true, of course, of heaven. This is a picture of what heaven is going to be like. One old minister said about the church in this text that the church is the crumb of heaven's joy. That it's just the dropping of heaven's blessing in this life, that we only taste in part of those full blessings that are going to be unleashed upon the church in the life that is to come. And I think we could say with the psalmist, as those who are at the door now, that I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, being on the edges of eternity with Christ and then to experience all of the pleasures that this world has to offer. Because it's in the church that we find our constant attention being redirected to the church that is triumphant and above, that new city, that new Jerusalem that is going to one day descend upon the new heavens and the new earth. And it's in that time, it's when Christ returns, when the master will come and say, no longer, Will you eat of the crumbs, but you will embrace and enjoy the full feast of your salvation. Let us now pray. Father, we do thank you that you have given us this assembly that we may gather together and, and praise our Lord Jesus Christ. We do have our concerns over the church that it may one day come to a point of irrelevance, uh, that it may uh, be split by scandals and schisms. But Lord, we do remember the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ who said that he will build his church. And so Lord, we do uh, look forward to that day when we get to enter into the presence of our Savior with all of God's people. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.